You is exactly what it sounds like, a podcast dedicated to the interesting, the wonderful and the eclectic world of you. I have created this podcast as a journey of discovery about people for you, the listener. Past episodes have included a tattoo artist, an opera singer, a London black cabbie and a yacht nanny to name a few. I am your host Sheila and let's meet this week's guest. Today I'm very lucky to be sitting face to face with the author KD Field and we are going to be talking about her experience of writing her first book, The Grief of Goodbye. So Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Kelly, I have to admit, we met at your author event at Book Lovers in Valencia on Thursday, and I was very, very lucky to be sitting in the front row. And I'm not sure if you did notice, but when you were reading a chapter from the book, I was actually wiping away a few tears. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about you and the process of writing the book. Kelly, when you were a child, were you always writing stories and poetry? I was. I was a big reader very early as a child, and I think uh, readers often turn into prolific writers. And I used to tell myself stories before I ever wrote them down. Um, I was one of those kids who laid in bed at night and made up stories in my head. You know, as I got older, I began just scribbling in notebooks, and I have notebooks and notebooks full of these stories that I'd made up. Yeah, it was just a natural thing for me to just write down, not so much a diary or a journal as most people probably do, more about these these stories that I'd made up. So, yeah. So when did you decide, okay, I've got all these journals and notebooks I've completed. Uh-huh. Right, I think I want to be a writer. You know, when I was in high school, I was the editor of my newspaper and also the editor of the yearbook. In the, in the U.S., we do a yearbook. I don't know if they do that in the U.K., but basically produce one every year. In my senior year, I was editor of the yearbook, and there's a lot of writing and a lot of interviewing people. And I really thought I would be a journalist. That was my passion. Um, and I, I thought that I, I wasn't sure I would ever write a novel, even though I had all these journals and stories. I really thought I would go to, you know, Afghanistan and report on the war and, or, you know, all these kinds of things. And then I got into university and my parents said, you know, you need to have something to fall back on. And so I didn't study journalism. I I went the practical route. And as a result, I just kept writing in my spare time, but I didn't do it as a profession um, and really, truly take it seriously until probably six or seven years ago. Very late. Although you had all these journals... Mm -hmm. Your parents sort of said, no, I think you should like get a proper career. Yes, my parents owned a grocery store, and I worked in it. They were very practical people, and I think they were maybe more concerned for me that I would take a route that somehow I couldn't support myself. Or I, I, I don't know what their fears were for me, but they definitely wanted to make sure that I had a stable footing, and I don't think they saw journalism as a career path that would provide that. That really doesn't surprise me because I think a lot of parents, if they've got children that want to go into the arts, they want to go writing, drama, singing, theatre, okay, but 
study secretarial or engineering you know they don't see that as a proper career yeah and I, I wouldn't disagree you know it's interesting my brother is a movie director and he started out as an actor and for him to do all of that he had to you know kind of jump off a cliff as most artists do you can't go halfway you have to be all in and you have to be able to hone your craft kind of in the crucible you know public opinion yada yada and it takes obviously decades to do that and so he was very brave to do that Um, and I've watched him over the years and I think when I looked at kind of the next chapter of my life I look at him and I think you know it's it's possible to do but it's a craft and you have to hone it over time and I started yes I had my notebooks and all that but I started late on getting my writing out into the public and having people read it and giving me feedback and kind of building that audience. Yeah, it's very late. We've got your first book, so The Grief of Goodbye. Mm -hmm. When did this become a thing? Okay, I'm actually going to plan on writing my first book. When did that sort of seed get planted? Well, I don't think it was um, necessarily intentional. It was almost forced out of me in a way. So I had walked the Camino de Santiago. Um, I'd left a, a big career in the U.S. And, um, and, I, and I walked the Camino de Santiago in uh, summer of 2017. And it was you know, walking 36 days in the hot Spanish sun, and I had a lot of time to think. And I wrote this book in my head while I was walking, much like I used to do when I laid in bed at night and told myself stories. Uh, So I told myself this story. I met so many people that there's plenty of characters in the book. They're not based on real people, but I met people who had terminal cancer, and I met people who had lost a loved one or lost a child, and they they were walking to process grief or... A generational trauma or a whole host of things people share their stories on the Camino and so I wrote this story in my head and when I came home I felt compelled to get it down and I sat for eight weeks and I wrote 132,000 words in eight weeks just kept typing eight hours a day while my husband was working I had this book and now what do I do so that's really what happened and it took on a life of its own it was like it wanted to get out there, but I had to learn how to how to do that, and it took a while to learn. You know how you you can't take a first draft and publish that, right? Nobody wants 132,000 words um, unedited. So it was that whole process of the craft of writing a book that I had to learn how to do. I mean, I knew how to I knew how to write the words. I knew how to write the story. I mean, everybody has told me you're a great story great storyteller. But you can be a great storyteller and write the words, but that isn't a book yet. So I had to learn how to do it. I, I, I'm a great believer in stars aligning. Mm. And listening to you talking, you were saying when you were a child, you would tell yourself stories in your head. Mm-hmm. And then you said the story just basically wrote itself yes. in my head. And then you just came back, sat at that computer and just got it out of your head onto the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's and it just kept coming and it flowed. Yeah, know? yeah. I. It's interesting because there's there are people who have writer's block. They talk about writer's block. And I have never, ever had writer's block. I don't know what that would entail. I don't know what that would feel like. 
I think of things and I write them down. You know, I I get ideas. I have a little red notebook that I keep and I, I write down story ideas and book ideas. But when I sit down, I, I have a blog that I, that I write relatively regularly. I've kept it for about the last six years. And I have no problem sitting down and writing a blog entry. It's easy, easy for me to write. So. I think it's very interesting what you say, as in the book basically wrote itself. Yeah. But then we have to go into the mechanics. Okay, I've written it, it's on my computer, or you print it off. How do I actually get this into a store? Yeah. What is that process? And I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, I've got an idea for stories and this, that, that. But it's one thing writing the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something completely different. Okay, how? what do you do? Do you print it off? No, you can't do that because it's all technology now. <laughs> Who do I email it to? And what's the process? And do I pay? And Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm sure that was quite a daunting process of trying to bring it to market. Yeah, I think, I think you know, like I said, I think you learn, you have to learn the craft, but you also have to learn the business, which I came from a business background, so that all made sense to me. You know, it's hard graft. It's hard graft. It's six years since I, since I sat, literally six years right now since I sat at that computer and wrote this book. Those six years to really understand what it would take to get it published now what i'm learning is that once it's published that's not where the that's not where the work ends that's where the work begins and how you get that book in front of people and how you get that feedback and hear about how it landed and you know i I, patty and i were talking recently about this about you know you you write a book to to have people feel you write a book to make people think but you can't control how they feel when they read it and you can't control what they think. So it's an interesting thing to to have all these diverse um, reactions to the book and I love that part because it lands differently with different people and I've had folks that have said, I've, I've read it three times. Like it, it, it just touched me so much and as a writer, that's all you can ask for. That's the best day is when you hear that. I think that's a very valid point though, Kelly. I mean, in the past I've belonged to a book club. You all sort of sit there, you all read the same book. And then when you talk about it afterwards, you just say, what book were you reading? You know, that's obviously very different. You know, we all create our own... No, 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 what are you talking about? No, she's not blonde at all. She's got long red hair or short blonde hair. We all use our own imagination. Yeah. And even though we're all reading the same book, we interpret it completely differently. Exactly. It always amazes me. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about the grief of goodbye, the story? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a story, you know, in, at the highest level, it's a story about, um, obviously, about grief. It's on, in the title. Um, it's about generational trauma. It's about uh, a mother's love for her child and her willingness to sacrifice everything for that. And it's also about love, the definition of love. You know, she's married, she has a husband. Um, it's a complicated relationship between them and what happens with her on her on her walk across Spain. Basically, the story is Tess Sullivan is a high-powered executive. She gets a cancer diagnosis, an unexpected cancer diagnosis, and and she's a person who's pretty wound pretty tight and used to having her life pretty organized, and it it knocks her sideways a bit, 
And at the same moment that that happens, uh, she and her husband find out their daughter is spiraling into drugs and alcohol. So she makes a decision to delay her cancer. She quits her job, delays her her cancer uh, treatment, and takes her daughter to Spain to walk and to find out why is she attracted to drugs? Why is she? Why is this all happening to her 15-year-old daughter? And how did they get so far away from each other? So that's that's the impetus for the book, um, and what her real goal is by the time she gets to Santiago, 500 miles later, she and her daughter is can they heal this relationship and can they can they get to the other side of it and of course there's many many things that happen uh, along the way they meet a lot of people there are a lot of um, a lot of stories in there as well um, unexpected stories and unexpected things that happen so when you were writing the book you said you were literally your husband was doing his thing and you are sitting there eight hours a day doing the book mm-hmm. When you wrote that final sentence mm-hmm. yeah. and you put that final full stop, mm-hmm. did you sort of sit back and go, right? <laughs> what, what was that final? Oh, when I wrote the final sentence, I was sobbing. I'm tearing up here thinking oh, about it now. Sure. I'm thinking about it now. Um, the book is a very emotional book, so there was a lot of crying while I was writing. In many ways, I felt like the characters uh, just dictated the story to me they almost took on a life of their own it was an odd feeling I'd never ever experienced that before um, where things happened that were almost unexpected to me as the writer right oh, this is the direction we're going and I followed that direction but that final sentence yeah I cried I cried and not and not from relief of being done with the book you know once I was done I missed those characters I, originally when I wrote it, I didn't write it as a trilogy because it's a trilogy. Um, there'll be another book and, and certainly one after that. But I knew that these people had other stories to tell. Yeah, but it was a, it was a mourning process, especially in the weeks after that. I, you know, I had, like I said, I had this manuscript. Um, didn't wasn't quite sure what to do with it yet, but I felt like these people talked to me in my head in a way. And I was like, you know, I, I wanted to continue that conversation. You know, I always write the end first. So now I have like, I have six manuscripts now of different books that I've written. I always write the end first because that's the North Star. That's where I'm going. And when I say I write the end, not necessarily to the word, but more like this is this is what's going to, the, the gist of yeah. what's going to happen. And and then kind of the arc, here's the, the points at which along the way, the, the stars that they have to hit. And then, and then I fill it. I cut, you know. Then I then I start coloring within the lines after that, and uh, and so I did that for the second book because I felt I needed, I I needed that. So yeah. The second book is written now. Yes, the second book is written, and I would say it's a first draft. So I'm in the process of um, filling that out, and it's interesting because I wrote that book, the second book, um, first draft of that book, and within. 18 months of finishing the first one but I, I did so much editing of the first book um, and I changed some stories and and there's some people that didn't survive and there's a whole host of things so now reading this first draft of the second book I'm like it's not even the same there's characters in there that don't exist in the first book they didn't make the cut when I did all the editing incidents 
that are referenced in the second book that got edited out of the first book. So so I have to go back and, and do a lot of reshaping for sure. Yeah. So we've talked about the process of writing the book uh-huh. and then you've written that final sentence. How did you go about getting it published? I mean, did you have a publishing house lined up? No, so it's interesting. I self-published this, but I did it in a different way than most people do it. So I spent six years building a platform to sell the book. I live on the Camino de Santiago. The book is based on a trek on the Camino de Santiago. I have a business on the Camino de Santiago. Right, three more than three thousand pilgrims a day walk past my gate. I have a blog that I've kept for the last six years, and I have a large following for that. I spent six years building a platform that I knew, and I, I won't even say that it was necessarily a hundred percent intentional, but it's a it's a world I definitely inhabit, and the and the book is is inhabits that world as well, and so it was very very easy for me to reach readers, really in a targeted way. Although people say the st- the story is on the Camino, but it's a universal story. It could have taken place anywhere on any you know the Appalachian Trail or the or the Pacific Coast Trail. But that's that's how I approach doing it, and it's been it's been wildly successful. To, I, 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 it's even surprised me actually on how well it's done. So I mean that is genius, isn't it? Because as you say, you live a lot along the Santiago. Uh-huh. You've got a business. I mean, all this has sort of been going along in the yeah. background, and then it's been funneling up and helping you to to get give birth to this book. Yes, genius. Yes. You know, I want to say that yeah, I had this big master plan six years ago, but it's it's as if, you know, maybe this sounds trite, but it's like the universe was like, do this, do this, oh God, do, I this so do this, do <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and I and I seem to have followed the bread the breadcrumbs, you know. So um, when it was time to do it. Um, we had some setbacks with some permissions for our business this last year. And my husband said, um, so you're going to publish. Just like he said, you know, when I left my job in, in 2017, he said, so you're going to go take that walk in Spain. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go do that. Because I didn't really have a an idea of what I was going to do next. And then this last year, uh, we had some permissions issues um, that we needed to overcome. And he said, so you, you're going you're gonna to publish your book, right? And I was, And I thought... Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do, you know. So, it, and the timing just worked out beautifully. So it's been great. Yeah, I'm a great believer in the stars aligning. I probably say this on every single podcast, but I really do. I think when you are open to things, the clues, the people, the situation sort of just drop in your path. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're open and think, oh, okay, this person has come into my life or this situation, it's given me the time, yeah. the opportunity to do things, yeah? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you're right. We you, we were talking before before the podcast about you know how moving to Spain are sort of you have to be open yeah. and and you're probably more open than you are in your home country and I would say that that has stood me in good stead because in many ways my in my experience of moving to Spain I sort of lost my ego for things um, because I I was like a toddler I didn't know how to do anything didn't even know how to register with it we don't register with a town hall in the United States so this whole every every single thing was so fresh and new and I think you get used to not knowing. And 
And when you're in a state of, of that, you, you believe you don't know, other people lend a hand. And maybe if, maybe if I was back in the US, I wouldn't have asked for help like I have asked for here. And I wouldn't have been connected with so many people who have helped me to do this. And I think that the valid point about that, I agree 100% with what you're saying, Kelly, is we then help the next group that are coming. Look, somebody helped us and we sort of pay it forward with, yes. with helping the next, the next group that come here. Absolutely, yeah. it is interesting. There's sort of a wave and then you go through these experiences and then you meet someone and they're brand new and you say, let me, let me help you. And so I think I've been the beneficiary of that for publishing this book. Yeah. Lots and lots of people have said, let me help you. So, and they've kept me out of a ditch. I have some people that are, that are become good friends and, uh, and they've flown in and just rescued me in unexpected ways that I couldn't, I wouldn't even have known how to ask them for. So... I mean, this is fascinating how, how life unfolds. Yeah. It really, really does. So just before we finish, Kelly, I want to ask you, when was the first time you actually said to somebody, yes, I'm a writer or an author? Probably after I moved to Spain. I, I would say that here, because so many people are retired, they don't so much say, oh, what do you do? You know, in the U.S., it's a very big thing. That's one of the first things you ask somebody is, what do they do? I did have people ask me that, especially people who had just arrived. Uh, and I remember the, the one day I said, I'm a writer. And they said, well, what have you written? And I said, well, you can read my blog. And I realized that the blog was writing and the blog was moving me down, down the field so that eventually I could I could publish this book. So, yeah. It's so interesting what you're saying there because people say to me, what you do? Say, oh, I have a podcast. Oh, you're a podcaster? No, 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 I have a podcast. To me, a podcaster is somebody who has, you know, a million people listening, they're, you know, mm-hmm. living the dream, all the famous people making pots of money. Mm-hmm. No way do I put myself in that, in that category, but I think it's quite funny going... Yeah, I've got. A, yeah, I am a writer. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it, it's the moment that you take yourself seriously. And I had a friend back in the U.S. and he played the drums. You know, casually played the drums, and he said, "Someday I want to be a drummer." And I said, "You play the drums every day. You you are a drummer." I watched that just dawn on him that he was a drummer. And it's as soon as you can define yourself in whatever context you want to be that your aspiration, as soon as you actually have become that, become that as, as you're saying, it changes everything. It changes how you think about what you do and how you focus. Oh my God, I feel I'm getting one of those twilight. Da, 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 da. <laughs> You've got to think of yourself as a writer. I am a podcaster. Yes, and all of a sudden everything shifted and because I spoke of myself that way, people would say, oh, you need to meet my friend. Oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. And those relationships were stepping stones to, the, to other relationships. If, I, if I'd said, oh, I dabble, I write in a notebook, no one would have made those introductions. But because I finally was willing to take my writing seriously, other people took it seriously as well. 
We've all nodded. We've all nodded. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's got to be written down and put on my notice board. Yeah. Because I think we are very much, oh, no, 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 I'm not a podcaster. You know, almost three years later, 100 plus, no, no, I'm, you know, I, I have a podcast. I'm not a podcaster. But you are. We, we don't put ourselves in that bracket. Yeah. And I think women especially, you know, especially creative people, and, be, and having a podcast is a very creative endeavor. And writing a book is obviously is a creative endeavor. I think it's easy to discount it as a hobby, you know, or something that you did that's, you know, that you did after your real career. And in reality, it's just as important. And, and, and maybe more so because it's something that you created from nothing. And this book was something that was created from nothing. And my blog is the same way. If we listen to your podcast and your voice in this podcast, it is the essence of who you are. And I feel the same way about my writing. If someone, much more so than if you saw me in a business context, if you read what I write, you know who I am. I think you have just defined that so elegantly. Yeah, yeah. maybe I will say I'm a podcaster now. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Kelly, thank you so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure to spend a bit of one-on-one time with you after the, the uh, author event the other day. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I think I'll have to come to Galicia where you are <laughs> to do a podcast about book number two. Oh, yes. I would yeah, love that. I would definitely. love that. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and being a brilliant guest on the All About You podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please subscribe on whatever platform you are using. It is free. And if you would like to tell your story, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story.